Hello, welcome to RX Chill Pill. Meditate your brain to resilience. Resilience is about bouncing back from setbacks by adapting and learning so you can thrive through life's challenges. Your time is precious, so I work to deliver research-backed tools to boost you and your family's resilience. Each of the episodes strive to leave you with an action or meditation prescription that you can apply immediately to your life. I'm Dr. Juna Bobby, a board-certified physician and mom of two amazing kids, and my purpose is to make the neuroscience of wellness accessible to you and your family's everyday life. Because when I became a mom, I wanted to do everything possible to empower my children with healthy mental and physical habits. This wasn't something that I had growing up, so I had to learn how to create a healthy and happy home life. I'm definitely not aiming for perfection, but I can honestly say that the mind-body skills I learned transformed my family's life. After years of training, I fully transitioned into teaching mind-body medicine, leaving one of the most prestigious private practices in New York City so I could dedicate my time to creating and teaching the science of resilience. My almost decade-long experience teaching high-performing students of all ages have now led me to the creation of my newest courses, Plan to Soar and Soar Under Pressure. To make these tried and true courses widely accessible, I'm rolling them out with partnering schools, organizations, and online for individuals on mindbodyspace.com. A portion of all proceeds go to those students in need. Happy New Year, 2021. If you're listening, you survived. So glad you're here, and I'm excited to start a new monthly chat called Our Highest Potential with Fiona Merton, my great friend, awesome mom, award-winning author, host of Dot to Dot podcast, and a chartered psychologist in London who coaches top performers and C-suite individuals in business, healthcare, sports, and politics to achieve optimal performance. We immediately hit it off because we're both endlessly curious about the science behind positively influencing our own brains. We're on a mission to widely share practical, cognitive, and motivational research tools with curious people who want to fulfill their potential and ultimately lead happier lives. Hi, Fiona. Hi, Gina. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I am good. I'm hanging in there. Just? (laughs) (laughs) You know, the holidays are a little different this year, obviously. Definitely, yeah. I'm so excited for this new chat that we're going to have. Me too. So today, we'll dive right into it. So we're going to talk about how we should assess our our place in life. And Fiona, you work with a lot of C-level executives, and you've written a couple of books that have to do with reflecting a lot. Mm -hmm. When you work with these C-level executives, do you take them all the way back to their childhood? Or do you start where they are and kind of go backwards in a sequential order? (laughs) No, we actually start with um, childhood because what you'll find is if you ask someone to tell you from about when they were 13 years uh-huh. old often people will go back further so you give them the option of what they're doing you basically say, tell me about when you were blah 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 and they'll say actually do you mind if I go back a bit further because I moved when I was x and y and my parents split up or whatever they when you dive them into their childhood, they then want to tell you the complete story. Um, And the reason we go back to childhood first is uh, 
Well, it's actually using something called social constructivist theory, which means that what people tell you when they're talking you through their storyline tells you a lot about how they see the world in itself. Mm. So you let them construct what they're telling you and then when you get further into the session because this session is usually four hours long then you start hypothesizing and saying oh it's interesting because I noticed you talked about this this and this Mm -hmm. does that mean x y and z so for example someone might say they were really outgoing when they were um they were at school and then they've become far more introverted as they've got older. And you say, okay, why do you think that is? What does, was it because of this situation that happened? Or is it because you've got a lot of pressure on you? So you're needing that time to yourself. So it's just working things through and you hypothesize and hypothesize and hypothesize until you hone it down into uh, judgment. So when you're actually having these four hour sessions with a C-level executive or a high performer in some area of their lives, you're analyzing them as you look past into their... Yeah. So so one thing that we, um, well, I was trained very much to do is to suspend judgment. Mm-hmm. So rather than thinking, oh, well, they've said that, that must mean this. You hold a really open mind the whole time. So you listen, 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 not like you would in a normal conversation. It's quite hard work because you're basically operating um, as far as possible from the frontal lobe of your brain, Mm -hmm. your slower thinking brain, which is quite hard work. You're being open-minded, you're being non-judgmental, you're being curious, and you're pulling together hypotheses of what might have happened and why might that have happened. And then you test those hypotheses with that person rather than saying, oh, well, I found that everyone that says that they were very good at sport is um, very good at, at teamwork. So it's it's not jumping to conclusions ever. It's really testing it out with a very open mm-hmm. mind. These people that you're helping are already very successful, right? So what does this add for them? Mm-hmm. This reflection. Yeah, well, self-awareness is never... Mm-hmm a finished article so our world is constantly changing and evolving around us but also within our own mind i mean we we know this with you know the work that that you do Gina. it's the neural connections in your brain are constantly changing and evolving and so it's not static we can't pick one point in time and say right i'm now very self-aware it's something that we have to keep working on And actually, the more self-aware we become, the more aware we are of what we don't know about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we also know that to perform optimally, we need to have a really good level of self-awareness. Yeah, I was going to get to that next, because obviously you're not having therapy sessions with these people. They are there because they are concerned about performance, right? Yep, they are all their bosses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so coming from a performance perspective, it's still really important to have that sort of um, self-awareness and a reflection of how you've gotten where you've, you are now, right? Yeah, absolutely. What can you take as learnings from where you've got to so far and how can you project those into the future as well? So how can we construct our future based on our past? Um, Mm. And and that's just the way it works. Narrative identity is saying, 
this is how things have happened so i expect this is how things will happen it's it's complex but but i think the complexity of it also highlights the need for constantly working on it mm-hmm. but it's very very fulfilling as well it's i mean it's immensely good not only for performance but also for well-being yes so it's like it's a double whammy you get the performance and you get the well-being which is amazing absolutely yeah yeah so it's so funny what you said about predicting the future because mm-hmm. for the image that i picked for our podcast episode it was um michelangelo's sistine chapel <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it was the Delphic Sibyl, she's a prophet. Oh, wow. So that's that's why I picked that because you know when you <laughs> so when you look backward, you can go forward in a better way, in a more intentional way in your life, right? So if there were things that you would say um, that you should leave behind in your past, what would those things be? Or is there anything that you should just leave behind and say, like, let's not revisit that so much? Again, it's the subtleties, but I think suppressing something is not good. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Blocking something is not good, mm-hmm. but nor is ruminating on something. Mm-hmm. So if something's been a problem and you keep going over and over and over and over, and it's not helpful, it's not healthy. But the most helpful way of looking at this, I think, is based on the research by Dr. Tasha Urich, who is a New York Times bestseller mm-hmm. psychologist. And she's done huge amounts of research on self-awareness. And what she found is when people introspect, her initial thinking was, well, when people introspect, they are going to be more self-aware. But what happens is when we introspect, we can get ourselves tied in knots. Yeah. We can go down rabbit holes. We can, we can ruminate. Downward spiral. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And so then she thought, what? Ruminating is not a positive thing. We're talking not about Not at all, yeah. no. So it's the keep thinking the same thing over and over and over again gets us into this spiral, like you said. Mm-hmm. And so she thought, well, how come some of these people that are immensely self-aware are introspecting and some of these people that are actually depressed are introspecting and what she found was that when people asked why it got them into the negative cycles when they asked what it helped them to think about it far more constructively Mm. and so when we look at ourselves inside when we reflect when we think about who we are it's thinking about the what rather than the why so rather than saying oh why did i fail that test you know or why why did i perform so badly in in that event that i just had i mean we all fall into i think a little bit every so often is oh why did i say that why did i do that yeah it's thinking what did i say and what would have happened if i said something different Mm-hmm. opens just, up possibilities absolutely it just reframes uh-huh. it in a very constructive way but then the, the, the work you do, Juno, mindfulness, I think, is so important here as well, because it's rather than clinging on to and, and holding tight to a thought, so a, a, why did I do that, or why did it go wrong, or why was I such a disaster in you know year nine when I did X, Y, and Z, <laughs> it's thinking, I can let go of that. Now, it doesn't mean you're forgetting it forever. It doesn't mean it's not part of who you are. 
but you're not going over and over and over and over and reliving it and reliving it and reliving it. Yeah, and I love that point because it is um, neurologically, as memories go, it is about how we recall the memory. So scientists have seen that, you know, when you recall something, that memory changes every single time. So if you recall it in a very negative light, constantly, you know, asking rhetorical questions of why did I do that? And, you know, you can't change something, then that makes it even a stronger negative memory. Whereas if you start to look at it in a different light, perhaps, you know, what you were saying, what did I say? What could I have done differently? Opening up different uh, possibilities for that memory. Every time you bring that memory up, it changes into a more positive learning experience. So rather than leaving that negative experience behind, we can actually repackage that memory in the way that is useful to us to go forward. Absolutely. And it's, it's hard, you know, because we have tendencies to think without being aware of what we're thinking a lot of the time. And we can't be mm-hmm. aware of our thoughts. And that's where time. mindfulness comes in or meditation. Absolutely. That's where the, yeah, that's where um, metacognition comes in. Absolutely. So that's, uh, you know, even, even if you don't have a meditation practice, you could have a cognitive practice, which I know you're very well aware of, where you can start to notice, you know, what you're saying to yourself, your self-talk, and have that sort of third person distance from your own thoughts. So that's the cognitive psychology. Absolutely. And I think if mindfulness doesn't sit with some people, which it doesn't, having a reminder that comes up on your phone several times a day, just to think, how am I talking to myself at the moment? Or you have it tied to a routine. So every time you brush your teeth, you think, How am I thinking about my day? How am I thinking about what's coming up? How am I thinking about what I did yesterday? So, Mm -hmm. but it's it's having those reminders in place because otherwise we kind of merrily go along and (laughs) we we don't. (laughs) Our thoughts take over. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So looking at reflecting upon our past year or weeks, how often do you think is the most ideal amount of time that you should reflect? Do you think like once a year? (laughs) I know there's no real formula, or maybe there is a formula, maybe there's a study. Well, we say with um, the profiling, so when we do the in-depth psychological profiling, we recommend on a report, which we write up on an individual afterwards, to revisit it after two years. Mm. But it depends what you're doing, because if you're trying to change behavior, so within a, a, a work environment, mm-hmm. trying to change behavior, you will probably want to revisit that behavior every six months. Um, but it might be more frequent. We have different ways of doing that, different techniques. So we have something called a 360 degree feedback, which is often used within um, corporate organizations where you're asking for feedback from other people, because whilst you may think your behavior's changed, you really need to know what other people think. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that might be a six-monthly thing, but yet you might want more frequent feedback than that on something you're trying to change. So if, for example, you're trying to speak up more in meetings, Mm -hmm. um, you're trying to get your voice heard, uh, you might have someone that you say, you know, this is something I'm really working hard on, you come to a lot of the meetings I'm in 
do you mind if I ask you for feedback after each meeting? And that could be a weekly thing. So mm -hmm. it really depends what you're trying to achieve. But I think the deep dive, you know, sort of a, a rough guide might be every two years. And I think um, if you're younger, maybe you're a teenager or, or a young adult, uh, you might want to, you know, if you want to speak up more in class, for example, you might ask a trusted professor or teacher to give you feedback or a friend, right? And uh, that could occur more often. I would say. Absolutely. And you know, a lovely mm -hmm. way of asking for feedback, which is so simple and it's not scientific mm. in any way. Um, mm -hmm. But it's ask someone for a score out of 10. So today, when you heard me speak up in class, how do you think I did on a scale of zero to 10? So was I more vocal? Was I more clear? And your professor or your friend might say, I'll give you a seven. And you say, okay, mm. what would make it a 10? And it makes mm -hmm. it very comfortable for the other person because people can feel, I mean, in England, people are awful about <laughs> if you ask for feedback, they go, oh, no, it was really good. Yes, wonderful, lovely. Um, but I know from having worked in the US as well, there's the same tendency. It's just not quite as extreme as in the UK. People feel uncomfortable when you ask them for feedback. And it's a nice... Really? Yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought that about... It, the British oh people, <laughs> they give you honest feedback. No, it's awful. No? <laughs> um, they fumble <laughs> over themselves telling you how great it is and trying to get away as quickly as they can. So, so, so this is just a, it's actually Jack Canfield who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. That's where I got this from. Um, and it's just, it's just a really nice, constructive, simple way of doing it, which means that the person being asked doesn't feel uncomfortable and the person receiving gets a nice constructive workable solution nice and it's important to know that you can trust that person you're asking absolutely you do and you don't want someone that's going to give you 10 out of 10 every time either no you know that lovely friend that's just going to go oh you're brilliant you, you need a co what... coach kind of person yeah. um somebody who's going to be honest with you so but if you don't have that person, we can work on our metacognition to see how we're doing ourselves. But I think it's really important to have an actual measure, even for yourself. So even if you put it inside like your own planner or a calendar and kind of tick off what you're doing, that is really good feedback because we cannot rely on our emotions and memory because we're never going to remember exactly the way things happened. So it's so important to have that like a logging sort of method where you, what am I trying to say? <laughs> no, I, think, I mean, I think it's spot on because unless we have a measure of some sort, we don't know how we're doing. We have no idea. And we're so bad at it, right? Humans, perception of something could be colored by whatever your emotions are in that moment. So it's really hard no, totally. to Totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, I personally, whenever I present, um, not that we do this anymore because we're not on stage anymore, are we? But whenever I present on stage, I always think, oh, that was so terrible. That was awful. That was really bad. And then if people come up to me and they say, oh, that was great. It was amazing. I think, why are they lying to me? Because <laughs> they're British. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe that's I'm just true, joking. Gina. <laughs> oh, but you, but in a situation But have you like, ever seen your... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say in a situation like that, um, 
it's very much clouded by emotion because <laughs> yes. there's a huge amount of emotion oh, involved in presentation. Absolutely. And we, I would love to go into that another one of these um, discussions, but because I always think I did terribly after I give a public talk. Also. But <laughs> I have um, since then started taping myself, like videoing myself. And um, it took a little practice to become... Uh, it, to get to a place where I'm not beating up on my performance. <laughs> but now I can be a little more objective about it. And I have to be honest, like I enjoyed some of my lectures. <laughs> but some of it, I was like, ooh, that has to improve. So you have to kind of be um, able to be honest with yourself as well. Watching a video of yourself or listening to an audio of yourself, um, I think that's why I love podcasting also because I sometimes listen to my own podcast and I'm able to redo it. And in the past, I was always afraid to record myself because I was afraid that it was going to be horrible. <laughs> yeah. So, so well, I'm not I'm... saying you were horrible. but <laughs> <laughs> So I am taking my own advice because I teach a lot of kids who are, you know, high level musicians and I tell them to record themselves, or even if you're at any level of musical ability or anything, I tell them to record themselves and listen to it. And they do have to practice on how not to criticize themselves, uh, overly criticize themselves, you know, but it's a really excellent tool. It's a brilliant tool. And yeah. I mean, I um, I don't know if I told you, I'm a qualified snowboard instructor. And when Snowboarding? You, yeah. And, and when no, you learn- I just knew to you were a surfer. Yeah, well, this is snowboarding is actually more my thing. Oh my skiing goodness! As well. But with the snowboarding, I often watch video analysis and and can see that you know I don't think you know I might think I'm bending my legs quite a lot, and then I look back and I say, oh my goodness, my legs are so straight. <laughs> and so it's really useful in the sporting context. It's useful in the musical context. It's useful in public speaking, audio. I, like you, just thought I would never be able to listen to myself. But now I have my own podcast as well. I can listen to myself. Which I love, and it's awesome. It's called Dot to Dot. But it's, um, it's amazing, actually, because some, some, some you know, podcast sessions, I'll think, well, I enjoyed it. But <laughs> I don't think anyone else is going to. And I listen back and I think, no, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> and so it does, it gives you a different perspective, but it does require that ability, particularly with high performers, not to be overly critical. Yeah, so you have to get pr practice being not overly critical. But yeah, I mean, high performers have very high standards. Very high standards mm -hmm. mean that they're always looking to um, everything in their mind can always be better. Yes. And that's, that's great to an extent, but... There's one of the things we actually judge leaders on is how realistic and accurate is their understanding of their strengths and their weaknesses. Because you don't want someone who's mm. going to overplay strengths, clearly. Right. But neither do you want someone who's going to overplay weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So it's really all about seeing yourself with a clear, realistic lens, not overly uh, inflating yourself and also not undermining yourself absolutely absolutely let's reflect for the end of the year beginning of the year well firstly i'd say if you're making new year's resolutions which i don't really agree yeah with, no i think you, it's um, uh, it's superficial it's like a line we put into the calendar but it's a nice ritual i yeah but we can set ourselves up to 
not do so well <laughs> because of the way we True. do But they should be realistic and they should be um, consistent. You have to consistently apply yourself to them as well. Ask me something that I should reflect on this year. I think <laughs> with a, from a well-being perspective, <laughs> what are you grateful? What are you most grateful for? My family and my health. Yeah. And and I think yeah. that's it. Never, it's never ever a bad thing to reflect on what we're grateful for, and not from the perspective yes. of being corny. But you know the science as well. It's it's immensely powerful. Um, yeah. So I would all, always say, if nothing else, reflect on what you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. That's awesome advice. And honestly, that what I just told you is always top of mind for me. So. That's my North Star all the time. That's how I make decisions. I know what's most important to me. Health, or, you know, physical and mental health, and um, the love I have for my family and my friends, new yeah. and old. <laughs> Same goes. Um, okay, thank you. This was an amazing first of many yeah. to come. Well, I always love talking to you, so thank you. So fun. Okay, thanks, Fiona. Do you want to add anything or... I think just, you know, if, if you're reflecting, just have a think about what you've learned, what you're grateful for, and, um, and what you want to be grateful for in the future because of what you're going to achieve. And I want to add to that what you want to keep doing, what was good, yeah. and yep. what could be better. Yep. Okay, yep. awesome. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my monthly chat with Fiona, where we focused on insights and practical, actionable tips to help you and your kids reach your highest potential. Find out more about her at FionaMurden.com. You can shape the content of this podcast by letting me know what topics or questions you'd like to have addressed. Just go to mindbodyspace.com forward slash podcast to opt in. When you opt in, you'll get extras from episodes like cheat sheets, worksheets, and special tips just for our newsletter subscribers. You'll also get information on our neuroscience-powered planner and online courses, Plan to Soar and Soar Under Pressure for kids, parents, and educators. You can also simply email podcast at mindbodyspace.com, subject line, podcast sign up, and just write yes. If you appreciate the content and want to help, the absolute best thing you can do is to share text or email your friends, share on social media, a link to your favorite episode, or use the sharing links on your newsletter. Good old fashioned talking works too. Please share this podcast with all your friends, family, coworkers, anyone who believes in the scientific method and are curious about natural ways to boost performance, health, mental, and physical resilience for themselves or their kids. Thank you so much. And until next time, this is Dr. Juna wishing you and your family wellness.